Hello, Selwyn Avenue and all of our friends who are listening to this podcast. Um, this is Lori Rabel. I'm the pastor here at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church, and I've gathered with some of our friends and staff members to have a conversation on our Faith Lab podcast about belonging to God. Baptism is one of the two sacraments that we celebrate in the Presbyterian Church. And we feel like now is a good time for us to take a deeper look uh, as to what baptism means, uh, why it's important to the life of our congregation, and what it might mean for you and your experience as you continue your journey of faith, whether you have children or you know children or um, you've been a child. So you count, and we're glad you're here. I'm going to start our conversation by just asking our seminary intern, Ashley Anderson, to share a little bit about her baptism, which might be different than several other Presbyterians' um, baptisms who more frequently are baptized as infants. So we'll get into all of that in a minute. But Ashley, why don't you just take a few minutes and share with us um, the story of your baptism and why baptism has become, become something that's been very transformative, important to you through your studies and now here um, in your leadership at Selwyn. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Um, this is Ashley Anderson. And so for me, I was baptized later in life. I didn't get baptized till I was 24 years old. And I grew up in the South where a lot of my friends were baptized as infants. Um, and so I had a lot of questioning and wondering at a young age and just didn't really understand um, everything that went into the sacrament and how beautiful it was. And for many reasons, I'm thankful that I was baptized later in life because I understood all of um, the grace-filled moments and belonging to God. And um, I think being able to share that story with my children is so critical as well. I have two sons, and I think for me and our family, making sure that they have a strong foundation um, as they go through life. You know, I'm, I know at some point, though I don't wish time to go any faster than it already is, uh, they'll be teens and young adults and they'll be wrestling with these same questions. And I know that the world is going to try to tell them things about themselves that is not true. So I want them to always have a place where they can land, where they know that they're beloved, um, that they belong to a greater community. So, you know, in situations like we find ourselves now being in isolation, um, and just being separated from those who we love, that we're still connected. We're a part of God's family um, in such a big and beautiful way. And so for me personally, I just having genuine and authentic conversations about uh, baptism, about our sacraments is so important to me because I think, you know, there's, there's lots of questions out there that people have, but none of them are silly. Um, so we are going to talk about the sacrament of baptism. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the theology behind it, and hopefully you guys are on board with us. Um, you know, I hope this will be good information for you all and spark conversations in your own households. And just to know that, golly, if you ever have a question, like we're always here and never be afraid to ask. Um, again, you're, you are very much a part of this family and no family members' questions are silly. So, um, that's, yeah, that's a little bit of my context, but would just maybe ask, 
you know, in, in y'all's current context or where you currently find yourself in life, um, what makes the sacrament of baptism important to you? I know for me, uh, this is Nancy Nutter, um, Director of Education for Children and Families. Uh, for me, as a new grandmother, whose grandson just got baptized uh, first part of September, it's important um, in, in his life and working with children in general for them to know that they belong to a family. They belong to a faith community that's uh, going to lovingly support them through school, through ball games, through band practice, and be interested in their lives beyond their parents. Um, it's just a, you know, a wonderful feeling belonging to God and knowing um, that you're worthy and that you're accepted. Beautiful, Nancy, thank you. Lori or Lisa? This is Lisa McLennan, and I'm the Parish Associate for Mission here at Selwyn, but I also, uh, my children have, have grown up at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian. Uh, and like Ashley, I was raised in a different tradition, and my baptism happened at 13, and it happened because I was reaching what my tradition called the age of accountability, and if I didn't get baptized, things might not go well for me in the afterlife. And so uh, I chose to be baptized out of fear. Mm -hmm. And um, honestly, the, it, it's kind of a funny story briefly, just that the pastor was wearing waders and I've never seen waders before. And so I spent most of my baptism wondering what his rubber pants were. Um, but in actuality, as I found my way into the Presbyterian tradition and was asked to consider having my firstborn child baptized um, and, and started talking with the pastors about that, I realized how beautiful our theology is that we belong to God before we're even able to understand or acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. And that baptism is just this visible sign and recognition of that grace. And that to me uh, was such a beautiful concept um, that, you know, God loved us whether or not we were baptized, but that this baptism was just a visible sign that we are known and loved by God before we're able to even acknowledge it. Yeah. And that, you know, later through confirmation, our kids are able to wrestle with their own issues of faith. Mm -hmm. But um, just that, that concept of God's provenient grace before we're ever able to acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen for that. Thanks for sharing that, Lisa. This is Lori. Um, I know at Selwyn, baptism is a big deal in every church. I do think that my time at Selwyn has, has taught me uh, and has been a blessing in so much that um, Selwyn doesn't mess around with our baptismal vows. Um, and, and Ashley and Nancy, you haven't been in the sanctuary with us when we celebrate a baptism, but we do rely on a, a, a liturgy that I think our congregation um, could probably all say by heart. But, you know, at, at the very end of it, um, we say um, we love God because God loves us first. Mm -hmm. And typically we have an adult or a 13 year old or an infant and, 
And that's true for that person that's been um, baptized. But in that moment, we're also reaffirming our baptismal vows. And so it becomes a, a community promise and, and an event and a covenant between God and, and from God, um, not only for that child, but for our entire community. I, I will say, to answer your question, Ashley, personally for me, um, I have been thinking a lot about baptism as my young teenagers uh, come into adulthood, and they both have benefited from the, the mentoring of older adults through the confirmation process, in which uh, I have watched these older adults live out their baptism vows on behalf of my children. And it looks and sounds and operates like unmerited grace very in very small ways, but in lasting and important ways. And so that's one example of how baptism con continues to shape our, our community internally. And then we also see that playing out in our, in our commitment and our partnership with Montclair Elementary School mm -hmm. and the children that uh, we know and love in that community as well. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Thank you, Lori. And that's, you know, those are two pieces that I want to touch on in a little bit. Um, just what belonging to God and community through baptism looks like in missions and what that looks like in, you know, children's education. So um, I'm glad you bring that up. But Lori, you mentioned um, when in the intro that there are two sacraments that the Presbyterian Church uh, observes. Do you mind just mentioning those and kind of how we celebrate those? Well, you better know them already, <laughs> but I'll remind you. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, in the Catholic Church, I think there's seven sacraments. Uh, mm -hmm. And in some ways, I'm, I'm jealous because there's just a lot more to celebrate. But um, in the Presbyterian Church, we have the Lord's Supper and baptism. And those are the two that you can find uh, in Scripture that Jesus initiated. And we rely on those to, to both root and then sustain uh, our, our independent lives uh, in relationship with Christ. But also, um, they are the heart and soul along with the preached word. Um, that were proclaimed uh, for for churches, for congregations. Um, and I would say that, well, that's all I'll say about that for now. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and Lisa, in, in your intro, you talked a little bit about the notion of grace. And there's, you know, different words and phrases that we use in our tradition to describe um, baptism and what happens and what occurs in that moment. And so I was just wondering, because um, one of the things we say is it's a visible sign of an invisible grace. So I was wondering if you mind uh, talking a little bit about, about that piece of grace. Um, you know, uh, one time I had somebody ask me, what, is, what does grace even mean? And um, I remember having a hard time articulating it. And so it's something I've tried to keep um, in the forefront of my mind, but it's, it's this notion of uh, God's unmerited favor. He's crazy about us, even though we've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. And there's nothing we can do to, to earn it or deserve it. Um, and the fact that God creates us and we come into this world with this unmerited favor, 
that we, you know, uh, we are each God's own delightful child. Um, and that baptism doesn't assure that, right? But that baptism is just a recognition of it. Yeah. And it's just sort of this um, marking in the sacrament that acknowledges, yes, we belong to God. And it's, um, we belong to God without the sacraments, but yet the sacrament is just sort of a way of um, visibly acknowledging it, right? Like maybe yeah. it's just this sort of invisible tattoo that we sprinkle upon us <laughs> or um, a, a word I really love and maybe I came from a healthcare background before I went to seminary. And it's this notion of being grafted into the body of Christ mm -hmm. through baptism. Yeah. We're, we're part of the body of Christ without baptism. We're, we're still God's beloved child, but through baptism, we're grafted in. And sometimes people use a horticulture image of, you know, creating a new fruit by grafting trees together. But I think of a, just a skin graft right? Like when a piece of skin is removed from someone or something and sewn into something else and how it heals and grows and is this new, just this new thing. And we're just sort of permanently stitched into that body of Christ through baptism and um, Google skin graft pictures if you want. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I, I like healthcare, you know. It's true brought it to a devotion at the seminary and everybody was like, Ooh, gross. But it's, it's such a visible true picture of we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of Christ and um, baptism just sort of is a visible acknowledgement of that. No, thank you for sharing that Lisa. And I love that imagery. Um, you know, many years ago I used to work in a wine shop. So, you know, my head automatically goes to the engrafting of, what happens in the horticulture uh, world, but um, I, I love, love that image. And, um, you know, Nancy, I know you mentioned the notion of belonging um, and what that looks like as, you know, as your small family unit, but also in the greater expanse of God's family. Um, yes. So I was wondering if, if you mind just maybe talking about that a little bit, how we, how we belong to one another. Well, um, it's part of the, the beautiful part of um, the church and the greater community. Um, when we, like what Lori was saying, when we do have um, a, a baptism in the church, the whole church family participates in that. Oftentimes, um, the minister walks around with the baby and we all claim that baby. And we all participate in, uh, you know, the raising of that child, if, if, if not only in prayer, but in becoming that child's, you know, Sunday school teachers, or as we've all talked about mentors and confirmation, um, even just the simple act of uh, talking to each other on the way into church back when we were all in person, um, we are doing that, you know, in the evenings now to just see how was your week and remember, you know, a prayer concern. Being connected in that way is as an extended family, a church family, a community. Yeah. 
which is very important because in our very nature, you know, in, in communion with each other as God is three parts, you know, that's what we are as well. We, we, we need each other. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I don't think it's for me personally been as evident as it has been, um, during just this quarantine and and not Mm -hmm. being able to be physically close to one another, but remembering through baptism that, you know, we're, we're still all connected and we belong to each other. Um, and in, in that, you know, you mentioned walking the child around the church and, and Lori, why, why is it that we don't have private baptisms? Well, because we're the church, um, I, you know, I, I will remember when my children were baptized and what happens is, uh, you were a parent. Uh, what happened to me is I was a parent who was sleeping less than five hours a night mm-hmm. and I hadn't, nobody had given me a manual on, on how to raise Joe Rabel. Oh. You know, he was just like this, this baby that I didn't know what to do with. And, Um, you know, and so in every baptism, there's a profession of faith that the parents make, um, you know, do you desire to have your child baptized, relying on God's grace? Do you promise to live the Christian faith and to teach your child that faith? Um, do you turn from the way of sin? I mean, these are important big questions that we ask parents. And then an elder of the church turns to a sea of people who I may have known or not known. And, and asks a covenant question, you know, a promise question that is the same sort of covenant that, that we adhere to in marriage, um, saying like, will you by your prayers and witness help this child grow into the full stature of Christ? Well, I mean, when a parent hears a congregation you know, say, yeah, we got this one. Well, that's enough to drop you to your knees because you're already exhausted and <laughs> you need the help. Yeah. Right? Um, and so it becomes far less about you know, the baby's beautiful white dress and far mm-hmm. more about God's covenant of grace and God's covenant of steadfast love. And that, that extends way back to Abraham and Sarah mm-hmm. at that moment when God says, hey, you two more descendants than stars in the sky and a land of blessing and nourishment. And so the congregation is representing that promise made in baptism in that moment, but also uh, calling back on our spiritual ancestors to the very beginning. That, that Old Testament word is steadfast love. It's hesed. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a love that's rooted in covenant. So we in the reformed tradition do not have private baptisms because with, without a congregation to say, we got that one, we miss out on all that a community represents and um, is called into in that moment. Thank you. That's I'm getting a little verklempt because it's, it's so true. When you, when you stand in front of your congregation with um, your child and you realize that no matter what, this whole community, in the, even extending far beyond that, just has got you in this, especially for new parents. 
So, yeah, right. So, Ashley, so, you know, when I think Lisa mentioned the, the, the tattoo, yeah. I often use that imagery with children who haven't been baptized, but who are older, saying it is as if uh, your, your parents are asking God to put a cross tattoo on your forehead, and you can never take it off. And even though we're not using ink, it's there. And it doesn't matter where you go. I know it's there and you know it's there. And that's God's, God's identity statement on your life. So that coming and going that we all do uh, throughout our lives of faith um, is marked in identity and held in that covenant. Yeah. Well, and let me just uh, okay. add to what Lori's saying in that because we do that, we have that mark, that seal. We believe in one baptism. Mm -hmm. So that's also something for, for, you know, everybody to understand one baptism, you're it, God's got you, you know, and uh, that's important for people to understand in our tradition as well. Yeah, that's a great point, Nancy. This is Lisa again. And not only is it one baptism, but so often, and this sort of ties into what you were saying, Lori, People often think that baptism is about the event individual. And, and while, yes, an individual is being baptized, and we all have individual faith journeys, mm -hmm. it's really about the community, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we are, we are people of faith in a community together, and we're agreeing to walk with each other and support each other and pray for each other and nurture not only the children, but each other in our own faith journeys. And so... You know, our baptism promises that we say, yes, we got this one. It's not just until they head off yeah. to confirmation. It's, it's for a lifetime. And, um, you know, we're, we're all in this together. Yeah. No, that's, those are all beautiful, beautiful points. And I love when the passion in our beliefs just really starts to show in our personalities. It's, it's awesome um, just to hear you all talk about it. Um, and Lori, you mentioned, uh, you know, going back to Abraham and Sarah in the covenant with God. And I just ask you guys, you know, is there any baptismal story or maybe a, a biblical story um, that has baptismal imagery that you guys kind of identify with? Like for me right now, it, it changes from season to season, but Right now, I think for me, it's the Genesis narrative, you know, God being present in the spirit of God being present over the chaotic waters. Um, and just, you know, because using water and baptism and, and just this newness of life and creation um, in that God so loved the world that, you know, he just created beauty out of nothing. Um, so that's for me personally where right now I think for me this is Nancy again um, it's the baptism of Jesus mm -hmm. and just the beautiful imagining of you know when Christ comes out of the water and the heavens open and God says he's pleased and it's about Jesus obeying what God's plan is and I think you know, at times in my life, especially feeling this call to go back to school and to, you know, um, work in the church, that was an obeying because I would have never thought in younger years that I would have 
done that and had a whole another career in school and all that. And it's been rewarding to follow what God is leading and to feel that and to hear that and to, to go with it. Yeah. That's beautiful. I am <clears throat> I'm mindful that our tendency in, in our tradition can be uh, to ignore the dying to Christ. Mm-hmm. That we're so excited about belonging and feeling good and taking care of babies and all that stuff that we tend to forget that baptism is an act of dying, mm-hmm. dying and rising, you know, and so you can't have Easter unless you have Good Friday and even Holy Saturday. And to me, this is a season where we are called to uh, lament and repent mm-hmm. and think seriously about the brokenness in our world, uh, especially when we feel disconnected and disjointed from one another mm-hmm. due to the global pandemic. And there's a fair amount of anxiety just swirling around in the air that we're all also carrying with us. And so I'm mindful of that in this season. Yeah. And the Psalm that I think of as Psalm 139, mm-hmm. the, inex- the inescapable you know, God, um, where can I go from your spirit uh, or where can I flee from your presence? Uh, this idea that like it does, and it's kind of creepy to think about this God that will not let us alone. Right. But right. In, in, in this season, it's comforting and um, an acknowledgement that it doesn't matter where my children go or where I go, that, that God's God is there. Yeah. No, thank you for mentioning that Lori. Um, I think that's, that was actually one of my questions um, was, you know, the, the notion of dying and rising to Christ. And that can, you know, that can, can kind of be an uncomfortable notion when you, when you hear about it. So thank you for um, taking a moment to, to explain that. Um, Lisa, was there any baptismal imagery or we can go on um, to the next one, which both uh, actually in, parts of our conversation have already kind of alluded to it, but living in to our belonging um, and being a part of God's family. And I wonder, Nancy, if you may just take a minute to kind of talk about how, you know, the ways in which we do this for children education um, and how, how, like Lori mentioned, one of the questions we ask is, will you be responsible for nurturing your child in the faith and life of the Christian community and what that kind of looks like in um, children's ministry? Well, um, in the, you know, in the very basic beginning, it can, you know, manifest itself in volunteering for the nursery. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we, sometimes listen to these vows and for some we may be intimidated by it uh, and feel like well I don't know you know what to do or maybe I don't know how to teach a class or volunteer for um, youth group and it it starts with with parents bringing children to this church and knowing that we will rock them and sing with them and uh, have a good time playing with their little ones and move them into a direction of learning about God for themselves Mm -hmm. and making the church their own for the children. And um, 
moving them forward uh, along the, their journey um, with different milestones in their lives, different things that they will be involved in. And, you know, um, I mean, it's still true for us as adults. I absolutely adore getting to know a congregation and what's going on with them so that I can call. In this COVID time, connection is different, so I have to be creative. So when I hear somebody's having an issue on the, you know, the prayer notifications, you know, I have to call or I have to talk to, and I want to, have to sounds like it's a, a directive. I want to call and check in and see how they're doing and um, ask if they, you know, want to meet or um, something I'm talking about with parents, you know, sitting on the driveway with children, which is going to be exciting because we're moving into Halloween season. So I can't wait to see what their cards <laughs> look like. Anybody got any orange flower, uh, orange flowers, please. Orange lights. Um, and, uh, you know, just spending time with people. It's just as basic as that. Yeah. yeah. No. It for granted. Thank you, Nancy. And that's, you know, one of my, a uh, fond memory that I have right now because um, both, you know, I have a three-year-old and a 15-month-old, so having those women in the nursery when I would, just rocking them, and they would always be asleep, and I'm like, can you just come home with me and teach me your ways, because they are just so calm and peaceful when, when you know, they're in their presence, and it's, you know, it's, a, it's them living out their baptismal vows, and it's absolutely beautiful, and so something else that I kind of think about as we're talking about, you know, these, these milestones and the things that we can do in our lives. I'm just curious, um, you know, growing up or maybe even with your own children, did y'all have any like family traditions or rituals, like a bedtime prayer, um, or, you know, a holiday that you celebrated in a certain way? Um, that was just another way that these baptismal vows were lived at, out. Um, so yeah, either something that you remember as a child or that you practiced with your, your own children? Um, I have always been someone that has struggled with prayer. That is not something that I really, uh, had an easy time figuring out for myself personally over the years. Mm -hmm. And Barbara Crafton, who is an Episcopalian priest led well-known, um, she's retired now, led a retreat for Selwyn several, several years ago and, and gave us permission to like, not, to, to like not pray, like how the church prays, like with all the fancy words and all the reverent, like that's, that's just not, that didn't work for me. Yeah. And so I would say for our family, well, this is a small thing, but it was very helpful. You know, those prayer cubes, like there are these wooden dice and they're about three inches. That's right. Two inches tall. And that was the most simple. My kids loved it. We rolled the dice. They read the prayer. I read the prayer and we ate. And I would say that for families that are learning how to lean in to uh, faith and prayer with your children, or even just to start talking about God, yeah. it's not that hard. You just roll the dice and then every now and then you say, hey, what do you think about God? And your four-year-old's going to have something to say. Yeah, Absolutely. You don't even have to have any answers back. All you have no. to do is ask the question. And so 
as a parent, um, I'm a question asker. I am not an answer giver. It, you know, my answers are not near as good for my own children as they are here at the church, but <laughs> I am committed to asking the questions yes. and that gives them permission to also ask questions Absolutely. And doubt and wrestle and to find their answers through the church in other ways. Absolutely. And thank you for mentioning that. And that's one of the things, like, it doesn't have to be extravagant, right? It let it be authentic to who you are and what your family needs. Um, so yeah, these little ways of just incorporating it are, are huge. Ashley, I want to add another one to that because we too have a prayer cube on our dinner table at the McLennan house. Um, but beside it, we also have a little rack with every Christmas card we get every year. And for that whole year, we just rotate it. Who's at the front and whoever that, you know, whoever that particular family is, we just say, okay, Lord, please bless the best family, right? Whoever's up next. And, and we trust that the Lord knows what their family struggles and concerns are and hears it. And so not only is it helping just, start the blessing and, and people have some words to articulate, it also is starting to pray for their other neighbors. And it's a way we sort of honor baptismal vows for people in other churches and places and congregations that we know. And um, it's just, you know, it's a way we get to keep looking at all those beautiful Christmas cards we get from people, but also just to remember them throughout the year. I love that idea that because at the end of every Christmas season, I'm like, I know how expensive these little cards are. And I hate throwing them out. So they usually hang around till about February. Because I'm just like, okay, now I feel like it's appropriate. But now you can keep them all year long. Oh, that makes it. Yes. Love that. Love that idea. We, we had a tradition when our kids were at home of being mindful of modeling for them God in our life every day. So prayer is talking to God. It starts in the morning, can end it. I mean, you know, and not making, like what Lori said, not making it a big deal. And, um, and also, if a crisis occurred, we stopped right then what we were doing and came together and held hands and prayed about that so that they literally knew that in this house, we were seeking the Lord's favor or guidance or whatever it was. Now, I know the first couple of times we did it, I'm sure they were like, what is happening? But they got used to it. Yeah. And, you know, this is Lisa again. The other thing, not just stopping for a, a crisis prayer, um, like Lori said, sometimes when you roll that dice at the dinner table, questions about God come up. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes they don't. And so, one of the standard questions is often who showed you God's love today in your day, right? And, and each kid would often have to think for a while, but they would come up with one. Yeah. And then who did you show God's love to today? And just sort of helping them consider, you know, how, because our kids say yes when we ask that promise as well, right? So like your six-year-old mm -hmm. sitting on the pew is saying, yes, I promise. Yes, I will love this child and help nurture them in their vows. So helping them consider ways they're showing God's love to other people, but yet also receiving 
God's love from other people, just fostering those conversations. Yeah, I love into baptismal vows. Mm -hmm. I love that. I absolutely love that. And that, you know, we're, my three-year-old, we're working on, you know, sharing and everything being mine. So at the end of the day, I'm always like, who were you kind to today? And who showed you kindness? Um, Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I love that. And it's, it's, there, there's simple ways just to model, um, you know, our, our Christian faith. Well, thank you all so much um, for this time. It was incredibly fruitful. Um, And I hope that you've got some good nuggets to chew on. And um, I hope the folks listening, um, you know, walk away with a little nugget as well and some comfort too. Um, But I would also just add that, you know, if if you're interested in continuing the conversation, if you have infants and newborns, if you're, um, or you have children who, are waiting to be baptized, I would invite you for a time um, of fellowship and uh, just time together. We're doing a baptism class, two classes. Uh, There's two sessions, one in October and one in November. Um, So yeah, if you have kids who are waiting baptism, if you're just a curious um, new parent, we would love, love, love to have you and continue this conversation. And um, I would love to just invite Lori to close us in one of our baptismal prayers. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks for leading us today. For those of you who are listening, whether you're in your kitchen or your car or you're taking a walk, this is a prayer that is commonly used from the Presbyterian Book of Common Worship. And I will pray it for you now. Let's pray. Eternal and gracious God, We give you thanks in countless ways. You have revealed yourself in ages past and have blessed us with signs of your grace. We praise you that through the waters of the sea, you led your people Israel out of bondage into freedom in the land of your promise. We praise you for sending Jesus, your son, who for us was baptized in the waters of the Jordan and was anointed as the Christ by your Holy Spirit. Through the baptism of his death and resurrection, you set us free from the bondage of sin and death and give us cleansing and rebirth. We praise you that in baptism you give us your Holy Spirit, who teaches us and leads us into all truth, filling us with a variety of gifts that we might proclaim the gospel to all nations and serve you as a royal priesthood. We ask these prayers and all those on our hearts Amen. Amen. Go and-